0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where David takes a census of Israel contrary to the law and the advice of his general Joab. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Samuel chapter 24 on Simply the Bible. We speak of having to choose
0: between the lesser of two evils. But today we will see where David was given three choices and they were all bad. But it was the result of his own foolish decision. Now, sin is merely missing the mark. It's aiming for the bullseye, but coming up short. A trespass, however, is when we know the boundary and deliberately cross over it. It's like when you see a sign saying, don't walk on the grass, and you do it anyway. For David, this was a trespass he would commit that would be very costly for many people. We continue today in 2 Samuel 24. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. Now, this is a curious verse. At first glance, it appears that God caused David to number the people and then punished him for it. But is that God's character? One of the rules of Bible interpretation is that when we come across something we don't understand in Scripture, We compare it with other scripture. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. Sometimes meanings don't translate well from Hebrew or Greek into English, and comparing scripture with scripture helps us derive the true meaning. In this case, the word he in the phrase he moved David does not actually appear in the original language, but it is understood from the context of the sentence. However, does God move people to evil? James one thirteen says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now, fortunately, we are given the rest of the story. In 1 Chronicles 21, we're told, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So, putting it all together, we see that God was angry with Israel for some undisclosed reason. And he permitted Satan to incite David to number the people. But it was still David's decision. Now, why would it be wrong to number the people anyway? This goes back to what God first promised Abraham in Genesis 15.5. The Lord brought Abraham outside and said, Look, now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. The descendants of Abraham would be as innumerable as the stars. But didn't God have the people take a census? Yes. In fact, there are two censuses taken in the book of Numbers that were 38 years apart. But God commanded them to take the census in a very specific way. Exodus 30:12 says that when you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give, half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. So they couldn't take a census without collecting the ransom money from each person. That emphasized the fact that they weren't their own. God redeemed them out of Egyptian slavery, and now they belong to him. But David had no intention of numbering the people in this biblical way. What then was his motive? It could only be pride. God had blessed him and his kingdom abundantly. It had blessed their army to the point that they had basically cleaned up as far as the other nations were concerned. And David wanted to know just how big his army was. When God starts blessing you, there is always that temptation toward pride. It's easy to find ways to boast or to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Of course, we're far too spiritual to come out and say how many people we have, but we find subtle ways of dropping hints about how much fruit our ministry is bearing or how God has blessed us. Be careful, pride is our constant enemy and we all have it. Pride is the very root of every other sin. For we think that we know better than God, or we can get away with it, or we're the exception to the rule. That's probably why it is number one on the top seven list of things that God hates. It is also the original sin by which Satan fell from heaven. Therefore, Satan is only too willing to incite people to pride. Verse 2. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are. And may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king desire this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word Prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. Now, Joab, David's general, was not, as my dad used to say, lily white. He was power hungry for his position as commander of the army, and he murdered two other rivals. Abner and Amasa and while he was loyal to David in many ways he disobeyed David's direct order and killed David's son Absalom when he led a rebellion and it is debatable whether David ever forgave Joab for that. But Joab was absolutely right in this case and you can tell that he it was just against his conscience and that's why he said to David now may the Lord add to the people a hundred times more, but why would you have me do this? And not only him, but also the captains of the army were against it. It was an anathema to them, unthinkable. Now this brings up the question, do we listen to good advice? You see, in this case, Joab was absolutely right, but David was too stubborn to listen to it. I have found that there have been times when I was bound and determined to do something and God didn't want me to do it and God sent somebody to warn me and I didn't listen and I later regret that fact. Listen, none of us have it down completely on our own. We need others. And if God brings somebody to us with advice that's contrary to what we think, we better weigh it out with the scripture. We better pray about it and see. Maybe God is warning us and keeping us from something really bad. And that was the case here with David. But David prevailed over Joab, and they went out and numbered the people. And they crossed over the Jordan and camped at Auror on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad, and toward Jazer. And they came to Gilead into the land of Tatamhadshai. They came to Danjan and around to Sidon. And they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And then they went out to south Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men Who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. It's interesting that the Lord really gave David almost 10 months to repent on this, and yet David didn't repent. He just continued to have them do the census. And we're also told in 1 Chronicles that Joab did not number the people of Benjamin or the Levites. And the Levites wouldn't serve as soldiers anyway. But the order was so deplorable to Joab that he wouldn't complete it totally. And also, the tabernacle was located in Gibeon in the tribe of Benjamin. So maybe he just thought, look, I'm not going to even get near the tabernacle with this census because I know it's wrong. Verse 10, and David's heart condemned him after he He had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant for I have done very foolishly. Unfortunately, that's the way sin often is. It isn't until... It is full grown that we come to our senses and realize this was a bad idea. What was I thinking? And David came to that point. His heart condemned him. He knew it was wrong. It's interesting that when David was busted for the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, he said, I have sinned. But when his conscience was stricken over numbering the people, he said, I have sinned greatly. Now, the way we would think of it, we would think that adultery and murder would be far worse than numbering the people. But as we shall see, many more people would die as a result of what David did here than what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. David did confess his sin and God would forgive him. And he asked the Lord to take away the iniquity of his servant, but there were still consequences involved. Warren Wiersbe has pointed out, God in his grace forgives our sins when we confess them. But in his righteous government, he allows us to reap the consequences. Now, when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. It's interesting that David went into this making a decision he knew was wrong. Now God turns around and says, OK, now I'm going to have you make another decision. It's not going to be an easy one. You have to choose the lesser of three evils, as it were. And so David was in great distress. And so David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. It's interesting that David does not actually choose one of the three. He just eliminates the one where he would fall into the hands of his enemies. He says, look, I just want to fall into the hands of the Lord because I know the Lord and he is merciful. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I believe the key... To not falling into temptation, not sinning, is to really consider where sin's road
1: ultimately leads before we ever take the first step. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where God brings a plague on Israel because of David's sin. But God also gives David the way to stop the plague. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible.